You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Well, good morning once again. And as we begin our broadcast, I'd like to welcome those of you who are watching us online. Thank you so much for being with us today. We certainly pray a blessing over you today. Um, If you don't know, Pastor Dan is not here with us today. He'll be gone for the next two Sundays. Uh, He's away at the Network Conference and the Fine Arts Festival with his daughter, Erica. Uh, So we uh, certainly, our prayers are with him uh, for that. Uh, But we are blessed to have a guest speaker here with us today. Um, He was from Florida, but recently moved back to Rhode Island. So we're certainly blessed to have him here with us today. So would you show your appreciation, please, for Dr. Ken Bongiorno. Thank you. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Nice to see everybody. Wonderful experience of worship. Really, just the wonderful presence of the Lord. I love worshiping with video worship. I love that. I've done that many, many times, you know, and it just gives everybody kind of a break from having to be doing something and just worship the Lord. What a wonderful presence of the Lord in this place. I can tell you I'm filled up. I really am filled up, and it's been a great experience meeting the leaders here at the church, and just thank you for just being so hospitable. And I I thank God for the opportunity to share the Word of God, and I want to say hi to the people online as well, and uh, pray that the word that I have for you today, it's going to come from Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. I pray that God uses it to speak to your, to your heart. Um, my wife isn't able to be here with us today, Grace. Uh, we had a party for my youngest son. He turned 23 on Wednesday, but yesterday we uh, had the family down, and so we gathered together, and um, she traveled a few times with me, and I said, why don't you just relax, stay home, go to church nearby here. So she's over at the Warren Assemblies of God this morning. Her name's Grace. We have three children, Um, Sam, who's the oldest, he's 26, he's married to Rachel, and we have a little granddaughter who is six months in the near future here, I think on the 4th of August, she'll be six months old, and then my daughter is 24 years old, and she lives in Waltham, and then I have a, we have a son, that our youngest, Fred, Laura is the middle one, Sam's the oldest, and Fred's the youngest, Alfredo Bongiorno is his name. <laughs> Sounds pretty Italian, doesn't he? And he looks nothing like an Italian, okay? He's got the blondest hair, and, and, and he's just got the lightest skin and blue eyes, you know, and people say, Alfredo Bongiorno, you know? And he says, yeah, that's me, you know? Uh, we call him Fred, though. And so he, he's at the university finishing up a master's and going to be doing some other stuff as well up in uh, Lowell, Mass. And my wife and I, we, I retired from um, New Bedford Christian Fellowship Center about two years ago now. We pastored there for 21 years, and God blessed it, fruitful, wonderful experience, really. And, but God said, it's time. I didn't retire as in not making money. I retired, and as God said, it's time to retire from here, Ken. And I have another season for you. 
and so raised up a pastor to take the church. My son's the associate, my oldest, there, and our staff stayed there and everything. It's going fantastic. Um, and, uh, and my wife and I moved to Florida. And just, you know, the weather, I, I like warm weather. I mean, I don't like burning, hot, you know, uh, temperatures that'll kill you, but we, I like warm weather year-round. However, um, after living there for a year and a half, we bought a house and stuff. We just miss our family. Had a granddaughter, and as soon as we saw a picture of her, said it's time to move back. So we came back, and so we live in we live in Warren, Rhode Island. Been a Christian now about 37 years, and God called me to New England, and I feel like I finished that run when I was. 20, got saved in a hospital. My grandfather had a stroke, wasn't raised in church, cried out, said, God, are you alive? Are you there? Is there a God? I believed in God, but I just didn't know him. And during the 1986, from the 8th of January to the 29th of January, somewhere in there, God revealed himself and ch changed my life like that, okay? Like that just a normal guy, young guy, you know, going crazy with all my friends and stuff without God and like that. And uh, then got called in to the ministry and we're looking forward to uh, see what God has here in the, the future. But my 35-year run from that time until I was 20 to 55 was all geared towards New Bedford. And when I handed the baton to the new pastor, I said, it's now your season, and I got a new season. And I'm still saying, God, when, when's that season going to, to open up? So I'm, we're back up here. I'm going to be doing some preaching and preaching around. And thank, for the, thank you for the privilege. I just want you to know a little bit about who I am. But I do have a word for you today. It's going to come from Philippians. So if you have your, your Bible or uh, paper, on the phone, Kindle, whatever. I'm going to read from the New International Version, and I read from different versions. I just happened to grab this Bible uh, today because I couldn't find my other Bible, so I just grabbed this one. And, uh, and so we're going to look at this passage of, of Scripture. And the title of my message is The Priceless Value of Knowing Christ. The priceless, the priceless value of knowing Christ. Think about it. Priceless. It means there's nothing in this world, nothing in this world that is worth more than knowing Christ. I don't care how much, take all of the gold in the world. That's a lot of money. It doesn't compare to the value of knowing Christ. All the diamonds, all the metals, all the materialistic stuff, fame, whatever it might be that people put value on, it doesn't compare to the pricelessness of knowing Christ. It's priceless. It's priceless. I've been working a secular job. I didn't want to jump into some job for as a pastorate. I said, I'm going to 
get a license. I got a CDL license while I was mentoring the pastor to take my church. And I've been working this job. I've been driving a tanker and semi and doing some ministry, but just saying, God, I know there's a new season, but I don't want to just go take a church or whatever. I want to, I want a calling. And I've been meeting a lot of people, doing a lot of witnessing and sharing the love of Christ. And there's someone on the job I'm working right now, and it's over in Fall River. And, and, and I drive this big semi just once a day to Connecticut and back. It's the simplest thing. I've never done anything easier in my life. I tell everybody, it's the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. I drive it down, they unload it, I drive it back, and I get paid. I'm like, that's incredible. <laughs> I listen to podcasts and listen to scripture and pray and... You know, I'm, I'm on my headphone, hands-free, talking, counseling, all that. I'm, I get paid for it. There's a guy on the job I met, loves the Lord, probably six months into living for Christ. Excited as could be. And, and he, w- he was asking me, what are you going to be preaching on? And I began to share a little bit, and he's kind of bound a little bit, and I've told him this, bound up by some legalism. And, you know, he says, you've got to be baptized. You've got to be, and you do. Jesus commands us to be baptized, right? We should be baptized. But sometimes it sounds like he's, he's getting the, the cart in front of the horse. And, it, and everything that we do is a result of what Christ has already done in us. And as Christians, as we live for him. And so I said, look at this passage. And so I began to share it with him. And I want you to take a look at this passage. Look what it says. The Apostle Paul's in prison. He's writing to a church that is being misled. There's people coming in here trying to get them bound up with, and I appreciated the, the prayer about the grace of God this morning because they're trying to get them bound, people bound up by going back to a legalistic Jewish follow these customs and follow these laws and, 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 and Paul knows that and so he's addressing the issue. And look what he says. And, and if you know the book of Philippians, he says rejoice in the Lord several times. Rejoice in the Lord. And, and here he is in chapter 3, and look what he says. He says, finally, my, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Now he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. And, and after I'd studied the, the passage, and I said, wow, that's pretty cool. Because he's not just saying, rejoice in the Lord for the sake of saying, worship Jesus. There's a reason that he's focusing on. He's making it Christ-centered. And and so he says, watch out, right? I want to safeguard you. And then he says in verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, right? Uses some pretty harsh, violent-sounding language. For it is we who are the circumcision. Now we're starting to get in and understand, huh, maybe someone's trying to tell the men they, they need to be, follow the customs of the law, this law, circumcised. they got to follow the ways. And he says, 
For it is we who are, verse 3, the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. There's false teaching going on. And I can tell you, just I don't know Dan well, Pastor Dan. But it excites me to think that he's teaching people to preach. Because in teaching people to preach, you're teaching them how to interpret, exegete, use a special, a a contextual hermeneutic to understand the context. Brother Art, I appreciate that you shared when you said that passage of Scripture about shaking together, right, giving, that you, you, you actually qualified it by saying, It's really talking about love because that is the context. I love that. I teach preaching. I've taught preaching in North Point Bible College on missions trips. And it's all for the purpose of getting people to understand the context of a passage of Scripture so that they know what God actually said in Scripture. And he says this, and I I want you to see this. Watch out for those dogs. Look at that. Those men who do evil, those mutilators of flesh. And he he tells you why, and I'm going to read it again for it is, we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. Dogs were not like the dogs we have today. I mean, I have a dog. Her name is Sally. We love her. She's 12 years old. She's a big baby. She stood at the stairs as I walked down to leave this morning, and my wife was saying, she loves you so much. And I was saying, Sally, she's a beagle hound, you know? She kept putting her hand under my, her head under my hand yesterday. Well, I was talking to the family, and we were talking. She kept coming in there and rubbing and putting her head under my hand. Like, all right, get it going. Right? But the dogs then were vicious, wild animals that roamed the streets. You know that. They, they would tear apart anything. You didn't want to be around them. They didn't live in homes and houses, and they weren't pets. So he's saying that you false teachers, you're, the, you're vicious dogs that will kill if you can. And then he, then he uses the other word, right? Evil. Evil. Wicked. I mean, we can pull from that that false teaching, as genuine as people might want to be, any false teaching is wicked and violent and harmful, and wants to kill. That's what I can pull from that. That's what I see. And that's what Paul is trying to get across. And then he says, listen, they're not the ones that, those that want you to follow this legalistic law abiding way, and I'll get into that. And ignore the grace of God and ignore Christ and ignore a relationship with God and go back to a bunch of stipulations. They are not the ones that are circumcised. In other words, they are not, that meant they are not the children of God because the children of God in the Old Testament were those that had 
this covenant, right? This family. And, he, and he's saying that. They're not. We are. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ, and who put no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on and take a look. He qualifies himself. He says, if anybody could, I could. Look what it says in, in, in 4b. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Then he goes in, circumcised on the eighth day. That was the law. Eight days after boy was born, had to be circumcised. Eight days. He was one of them. Followed the law. Of the people of Israel. Saying, I come from those people. The promise went to those people. They were the chosen people of God. I'm one of them. I'm from Israel. And then he goes, of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, the tribe of Benjamin is the tribe that the first king of Israel came out of. Saul. Saul came out of the tribe of Benjamin, chosen, chosen by God. And and then and he's saying, I'm from that tribe. That's his the blood back then is the of that him is the blood that's in me as well. And then he goes on and he says, A Hebrew of Hebrews. What's he saying? He was raised speaking Hebrew. He was not taught it as a second language or third language. He was raised. In regard to the law of Pharisee, these were people that followed over 600 and some man-made laws. They made more and more laws after the the exile and the release of these people from from Babylon. They they were released from, they started a sect called the Pharisees, and they followed all of these stipulations. You could not even pick up a piece of paper on the Sabbath. That was work, so they, they put that down. You can't do it. He followed all of them. And then in verse 6 it says, As for zeal, persecuting the church. You know, the Saul, the apostle Paul, He was actually there when the first martyr, Stephen, was stoned to death. He held the garments, and then he went on to imprison people, hunt people down, and and he had papers from uh, the the, uh, government to be able to to imprison, to take captive, to, to punish anybody that was following Jesus. And, of course, that's what was going on when Jesus came into his life. And it goes on, and it says... It says this, not only persecuting church, but as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Followed every single stipulation. That was Paul. And he's trying to let them know, I I get these people because I was one of them. And then he goes on and says this though, but whatever, verse 7, whatever was to my profit... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's saying, basically, you can pile it all up right here on this scale, and it can look like it's really, really something. But it's nothing. And then he goes on, and he says says this. In verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the 
surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now, when we say righteousness, I just want to make it, I just understand it so simply, and that is right standing with God. And I just replace it with right standing with God. Not a right standing on my own, but a right standing that comes from Jesus. That's how I say it. Right standing with him. I believe this applies to our lives. It's so easy sometimes to get so caught up in the doing. In what we're doing. In the religiosity of of being Christian and being part of a a, a church and, and being out there. As you get older in Christ, as you grow older, when you first get saved, you know it's grace of God's grace, you know. Hallelujah, he saved me. But as time goes on, sometimes we can begin to identify our spirituality with what we do rather than with the relationship that we have with him. And you know what happens? Can I, can I tell you what happens? What happens is it begins to become drudgery. It becomes hard. It becomes difficult. What was at one time simple to do? I want to go to church. I want to worship Jesus. I want to pray. I want to open his word and read it. I, I want to, to, to serve in some capacity. All of a sudden, it becomes difficult. And we feel the weight. And whenever I start to feel the weight of like, I don't know if I like this, I start to ask myself, Ken, are you replacing what you're doing with the relationship? Because ultimately the doing will never develop the relationship. It's the relationship that develops the doing. And as I stay closer to him, as I stay plugged in with him, as I live for him, Paul's not saying don't be holy. Paul's not saying that at all. Paul's not saying, make, don't just ignore what God says in the Ten Commandments. Paul is not saying that here. He's not saying that at all. But he's saying that in and of itself cannot make anyone right with God. None of it. None of it. Zero. My... My wife is very sensitive to animals, and I'm a hunter. I like hunting. I don't. I don't want to offend any. I I do. I, and I've looked out before I left Massachusetts. I found out over here in Western Mass, you got quite a few black bears. I've never done any black bear hunting. Again, I don't want to offend you. I'm not. I'm not here to talk about that. Okay. But I, I'll tell you, deer hunting, oh my goodness. I didn't do any down there in Florida because I don't want to go in the woods, man. You got water moccasins and they say bitons and alligators running around. I said, I'm not going in the woods. My wife, we had a little pool before we left. We lived in New Bedford. And, and I, 
we bought a little pool for my niece. She was visiting, and, and uh, she's like, oh, I'd like to swim. It was during COVID. I said, COVID. I said oh, you know what? We're going to buy a pool. I don't know. I'll find one. I found one online, a third party, you know, an Amazon or whatever it was, and, and had to pick it up in some parking lot somewhere the next day, and we installed it the next day. My, my nephew and my, my brother was uh, up or over from Pennsylvania, and, and they installed the, they put the pool, just a little pool. And, and so we had this little pool. And, and my wife and I would swim in it. She likes swimming. And, and a bug was in the pool. I said, oh, look, there's some bugs. And oh, look at that one swimming around there. And she's like, oh, my goodness, let's save it. Let's save the bug, right? And I'm like, sweetheart, let it die. We've got enough bugs, you know what I mean? And, and, and so she got the thing. She scooped it out, and she, you know, laid it on the ground, you know, and it lived, you know. And, and I was thinking about, and this is a little nutty, okay? This is a little nutty. But you know what I was thinking about? I, I had a theological idea. It, it developed out of this thing. <laughs> but I, I could just picture the, the, the little bug. Sal, you know, and uh, of course my wife, uh, Grace, saved, saved her. And I, but I was thinking the bug, if his name was Sal, and he, and he goes home, right, and he walks in the door, you know, and he walks into his little, and he's like, hey, Linda, hey, Linda, guess what I did today? She's like, what, what did you do, Sal, what now? You know, I saved myself, I saved my. I was swimming over there in the pool, you know, and, and I slipped, actually slipped off, started swimming around, and, and I made it over, and there was a net, and I got on that net, and I, I climbed out, and then, and then and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm climbing out onto the ground, and, you know, it could have been a bad situation. I might not have come home today, you know, but I saved myself. And Linda goes, no. Sal, no, you didn't save yourself. I watched the whole thing. You slipped off the side of the pool. You started to swim around. You were getting weak. You're going down. I heard some, some lady named Grace. Her husband's like, kill it, drown it, hold it down. And, and Grace got the net and scooped you up and laid you on the ground. Your husband was ready to step on you, and she stopped him, her husband. You didn't save yourself, Sal. You were saved by grace. <laughs> we're saved by grace. That's what Paul is saying. We're saved by grace. And then as a result, the passage you quoted, for you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? For his workmanship, and then to do the good works. It all flows out of that. We're saved by grace. I wrote down, you know, I, I, I was listening to the song, Come to the Father. For his, and I could just see, to remember the, the, the different lines, I, I could just see... Come to the Father, his arms are open wide. 
right? Come to the altar, right? Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness has been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we always have to remember. We always have to come back to that. We ask the question, why? Why is knowing Christ priceless? Why? And the answer is, because he did the work and we get the reward. He did it. And as a result, we found forgiveness and new life. And then on top of that, on top of that, as we walk through this passage, that's what Paul's communicating to the church, to us. He's, he then comes to this other part here, and, it, and, he, and he says this. He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know him. Now, we know a lot of things. If we were to sit down and talk about, you know, the education you have, maybe some careers and jobs, experiences, there's a wealth of knowledge in this room. And, and, and you that are sitting out there as well. You know things. You know facts. You know history. You know technology. You know skills. Right? But knowing a fact is different than knowing Christ. Knowing Christ, it's not about knowing the fact of Christ, it's about having an experience with Him. It's, it's knowing Him. It's knowing Him. It's walking with him. It's talking with him. It's everyday experience. It's experiencing what Paul is saying from day to day. He wants to, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And every day that the Apostle Paul lived, when he would have an experience of power from God, he would experience Christ. When he would experience this power, this, this resurrection power as he lived his life day to day, he said, that's what it means when Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive same power that, is, that was in him that raised him from the dead is the same power that is in me. I know it. And I know him. And then he talks about even the suffering. And I know sometimes it can be a bad word within our Pentecostal assembly of God, the charismatic move of, you know, they're suffering. 
There's struggle. There's battle. Some, they don't want to, you know, hear, oh, no, you know, that person, they're going to be healed. And that. I don't know who's going to be healed. I'll pray for it because God's more than able to do anything. However, there is suffering and there is struggle and there are battles. And the Bible teaches that. We are going to go through those things. But when we go through those things, when we struggle, when we battle, maybe it's a time when we can actually look and as Paul would do when he suffered, he said, I get closer to Christ because now I realize Christ's suffering and what he went through just a little bit for my life. And as a result, I understand he went through it when he didn't have to go through it. But he went through it for me and it brings me closer to him because I understand he suffered because he loves me. How much does he love me? He, he, he suffered. He went through that pain, that betrayal. He left heaven. He walked on the face of this earth. It helps me to know him. And you're here, Jesus, with me in this difficult time. He even talks about right up to death, and we know the apostle Paul experienced that, right? We know that he was, he was martyred for Christ. He was killed because of his faith. But even, he, even, he even says to attain to the resurrection from the dead, and he hasn't experienced the bodily resurrection, nobody has, but he has experienced that moment where he stopped breathing here and started breathing there into the presence of God. I want to know him. I want to know him. And that's one of the things when we ask the question, why is knowing Christ priceless? He did the work, we get the reward, which results in a relationship with him, a day-to-day walking with him, victory and even in suffering at times. I had a question that came to me recently, and it was a person that is skeptical but searching. And they said, what about the Quran? And what, you know, what, what about these Muslims and Quran? And he started mentioning, you know, what about their book? And I said, the Quran teaches laws and legalism. What, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And I'm trying to just talk to this person that's hungry for God. I said, the Bible teaches that God left heaven and came and walked among us died on a cross for us, rose from the dead, and we can have a relationship with him. No other religion talks about that. No other religion has that. No other religion has somebody that came back from the dead. But he came back so that we could have a relationship with him. And he, his spirit fills us. That's what the day of Pentecost, right? Fills us up. Power. It's power. 37 years ago, it's going on 38, I'm in the hospital room with my grandfather. He's 80 years old. He was the patriarch of the family. Little guy, spoke broken English. Had a successful, fruitful life. And I was saying to myself, if I could just take his place. Right now, I would. And fight this. And it was at that moment, between the 8th and the 29th of January, 29th, he died. 
1986. Somewhere in there, two in the morning or so. I was alone with him, and I said those words. I would take his place, and all of a sudden, I heard the voice in my spirit of Christ saying, I already took his place. And he's not going to die, Ken. He's going to live because he's put his trust in me. And I've also taken your place. If you'll put your trust in me. It was at that moment like I was in a dark room. And all of a sudden, spiritually, the lights went on and my life was changed. I knew Jesus. And I was standing there thinking about this in the middle of January, some of the worst snowstorms we ever had, 1986, about Easter. He's not dead. That's what I was saying in my head. He's not dead. He rose from the dead. He's speaking to me now. And and that relationship started. And it's never stopped. the priceless value of knowing Christ he did the work we get the reward that is a, a relationship with him amen let me pray for you I'm going to turn it over to brother or whoever it might be but let me pray for you. Just remember that. God calls us to do a lot of things. He calls us. But it's the result of the relationship. Not, it's not what's going to start the relationship. It doesn't save us. It's only by faith because of his amazing grace that we have that relationship it's priceless don't ever trade it in for any rules or regulations or duties always that relationship and everything else grows out of that Lord thank you for this time thank you for the people here the people that are watching online even now Lord Thank you, Lord, that you have called us. Thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to us. Thank you, Lord, that you did save us from our pool of sin. We were drowning, and you came. It's because of your amazing grace. It's because of your arm being strong. It's because of the price you paid on a cross. You did it, Lord. And as a result, we get the reward that relationship with you. And Lord, I just pray for each and every one that's here watching now, that Lord, that relationship will never take second to any duty or deed. That that relationship, that you will be center of their lives and that relationship would be a growing, healthy, nurtured relationship. Lord, that you would continue to speak and fill people with your powerful truth from your word and your spirit. Surround them, Lord God, with your amazing, amazing love. So empower your people today, Lord God. 
Help us to stand upon that awesome work that you did for us. Give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, if there's anybody here watching right now that needs to invite you into their heart, we pray, Lord, that you would you would open their eyes and that they would accept you. If you need Jesus, just whisper this prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I'm yours. I'm yours. I want to know you today and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.